Hello there. Have you ever watched a cricket match in the present with both your eyes? Of course you have. While doing so, have you suddenly experienced a whole new third eye on you? Or should I say in you? I am talking about the mind's eye, dear listeners. The eye that activates the parts of your brain which work to store memories. The eye that sends your mind on a roller coaster ride into the game's sometimes silly, sometimes awe-inspiring past and sends it back to the future as you are left to ponder the what could be and the what could have been questions. That is the plight, nay, pleasure bestowed upon the two of us, your hosts for Heads and Tails. That's the cue for me to welcome my co-host Nitin, the night rider of 90s cricket, the word meester beyond control. When cricketers from the last 30-odd years forget how many player of the match awards they won or what kit they wore in what tournament, they call up a paid helpline helmed by Nitin and they get the right answer with a side of nonchalance. Hi Nitin, how have you been? Hey Chopper Nosai, uh, thanks for that very gracious intro. I really wish uh, players would pay me for uh, telling them their stats and for the colors of the jerseys that they were wearing in the 90s. You call me the Knight Rider uh, and I'm going to throw back a 90s reference at you. If I'm the Knight Rider of, uh, of 90s cricket, then that makes you the street hawk of 80s cricket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, interesting uh, call out there with the third eye and all of that. I think that makes us the third umpires of uh, cricketing podcasts. I think that's a good place to be. Yeah. And and uh, what's been up in uh, in the IPL? The IPL continues to rumble along and uh, there is a proper logjam as I look at the leaderboard right now with uh, Gujarat Titans sitting pretty at the top with uh, six wins out of eight games. But then you have uh, five teams that are tied on five wins after nine games. That's Rajasthan, Lucknow, Chennai, Bangalore and Punjab. We are recording this soon after uh, uh, Lucknow managed to lose their game against Bangalore, a very low scoring affair at Lucknow. And that's on Monday night. And we also had a couple of very, very high-scoring games on Sunday where four scores of 200 were scored across two matches. Uh, so, yeah, you're having a, a wide variety of games here, as as we spoke about last week as well. High-scoring games, low-scoring games, uh, some questionable quality of cricket, some great uh, performances as well in the middle of all of that. Uh, but that's where we are. It looks like the Delhi Capitals probably are out of it at this stage, but uh, hmm. someone told me they have a mathematical chance of still making it. Every other team still very much in the hunt. Wow. Interesting times indeed. Over in Pakistan, New Zealand are nearing the end of their white ball only tour. Their severely depleted team uh, very admirably kept the host down to a 2-2 result in the T20 series, but have fallen behind the eight ball in the ODI series, losing the first two matches with only one to go in the series. The one hilarious thing that happened was when the umpires had a bit of an inkling after the first over of the second match that the 30-yard circle was not 30 yards <laughs> on all sides of the pitch, possibly because the final pitch was decided at the last moment. And uh, that led to them remarking the 30-yard circle. Uh, can you tell me a recent match where you remember something similar happening? Oh, uh, I, I uh, in fact, don't. I think this is the first time I noticed the 30-yard circle being remarked during the course of a game. In September of 2019, uh, West Indies versus uh, Australia Women's T20I was uh, happening at Barbados. And that was interrupted in a similar manner because the inner circle was too deep. It's huh. uh, 25.15 yards for women's cricket. Uh, but if I remember correctly, the ground staff had uh, put it at 30 yards, which is obviously the measurement for men. And they had to do re redo it and 
uh, restart the match and i think you're right with the, the reason you came up with for why this might have happened at the last minute change to the pitch uh, coincidentally i was listening to this wonderful podcast where uh, sidvi was talking to henry olonga this is the 81 all out podcast where olonga talks about a tour of pakistan that happened in 97 that he was a part of and on the morning of the test match i think a couple of hours before the start of the test the pitch was changed from a bald typical pakistani pitch to mm. one that had a lot of grass and was unprepared the grass had not been cut i'm sure uh, that of course was a test match so there probably was no need for a 30 yard circuit to be marked but that's a famous test match it's uh, the the move actually backfires on pakistan yeah. and olonga ends up leading zimbabwe to a famous famous test win and a series win as a transfers in pakistan so yeah interesting callback <laughs> there's also an, an australia tour of india i think in the 60s when the australians actually alleged that the indians had changed the pitch overnight in the middle of a test <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean, how is that even possible like can't you uh, i mean this, there must definitely be a way to prove this right like because the tv cameras and everything are placed in a certain place suddenly everything 60s. seems to have moved you know a few 60s. yards to the left i still believe it must have been televised there's been enough people at the ground to make out the difference but yeah this uh, ripe uh, ripe material for a, a novel on cricket where this kind of shenanigans happen Yeah, indeed. And I believe uh, the hook for our, our ride into the uh, past of the sport comes from a match that happened yesterday featuring Bombay and... Uh, no, why am I saying Bombay? <laughs> Bombay. No, this was not the Bombay Ranji team. This was Mumbai Indians versus the Rajasthan Royals, which was the second of the weekend doubleheaders that we had on Sunday. as i mentioned uh, all high scoring games this two was a very high scoring game going into the last over uh, tim david of uh, the mumbai indians needed to get 17 runs of jason holder and how does he finish it he finishes it off with three consecutive sixes of the first three balls of the 20th over all of them floaty full tosses that were pretty much asking to be hit must be said but uh, tim david the singapore born australian uh, star doing his bit for the mumbai indians and in finishing that game off So that is the hook that we are using to get into our uh, infinite improbability drive to go into the past uh, this week. We are going to talk about hat-tricks of sixes and we have a few few interesting, memorable six hat-tricks that we want to talk about. So over to you, Chops. Which one do you have uh, to start off this section of the podcast? Okay. Where were you in uh, June of 2006? I was uh, I and I know I in fact know which one you're going to talk about so I can tell, I I remember vividly what I was doing in June 2006 so this was uh, you know the summer vacation between my uh, having finished my engineering college and before I I was going for my MBA uh, so I, there were these two months where I was pretty much you know chilling at home with absolutely nothing to do watching some wonderful cricket and during that time you had India touring the West Indies which is perfect because as a what a uh, 19 20 year old kid you want to stay up all night until 3 am 4 am and india playing in the west indies is a perfect excuse to stay up so that's what i was doing in june 2006 i was up there watching and please tell us what happened on that day when i was watching chops and when you were watching yeah so this was the first test uh, between um, the west indians and um, and india uh, and west indies was of course um, probably at at the start or somewhere near the start of their terminal decline but uh, uh, even then for indians to uh, win anything in west indies carried a lot of value a lot of weight 
and this was supposed to be the last test at the antigua recreation ground or the rec as it is nicknamed uh, all future international cricket in antigua was to be hosted at the new stadium named in honor of uh, sir viv richards of course that stadium that new stadium came up a cropper and uh, test cricket did return to the arg later india was under rahul dravid uh, as skipper and they batted first and scored just 241 on a not so easy pitch the west indians replied with 371 and the pitch was clearly easing out and instead of folding up quickly under the weight of the 130 run deficit india went big Wasim Jaffer the Bombay opener led the way with uh, a classy 212 and at one stage India was 419 for 5 when the young Indian wicketkeeper with a long mane of hair on his head MS Dhoni walked to the batting crease to do some uh, pretty old school declaration batting he set the cat among the pigeons with a 52 ball 69 uh, four fours six sixes and three of those sixes were consecutive ones of a lesser known uh, left arm spinner from the west indies called dave mohammed uh, yeah. and those are the three sixes uh, you know that i'm going to talk about hit late on day 4 um, as india pushed for a declaration uh, the commentary uh, that i remember hearing on this test was by this uh, new zealand ex new zealand uh, captain jeremy coney who was who was pretty amazing with uh, with his words especially for these three sixes <laughs> the first six is is a proper helicopter shot and koni has his mind blown it's it's <laughs> perhaps the first time he's seen it and it's a full ball on leg stump it's uh, hit high and mightily over long on even as it uh, you know appears for a brief moment that dhoni has yogged himself while trying to come down the track and the follow through koni refers to it as the double wind up it, he doesn't call it the uh-huh. helicopter shot he just calls it the double wind up and the which second is a great I... way which yeah. is a great way to describe the helicopter shot because you know, the bat actually goes around in you know two distinct circles so yeah yeah indeed and earlier a similar shot not the double wind up but a similar shot he had called it uh, uh, the violent circular twirl that uh, an international axman would have been proud of so he's really <laughs> getting into it The second six of the hat trick is a similar one, but he is nowhere near Yorking himself. He, um, you know, has his arms going through the shot very nicely, very properly, and the cameraman makes a sorry attempt to follow it. And Coney's exasperation <laughs> is very clear at what uh, happens. He calms himself down by saying that the ball has just left the suburb. And the third one, the third one again has Dhoni skipping down the track, but the length is even shorter. he adjusts quickly and goes for a cross bat uh, batted agricultural hoik uh, which sends the ball near the prison that is adjacent to this ground in yes. the backward square leg region and this is the very same prison where sir vivian richards dad worked as a warden for many years and it's almost like the ball has been sent to jail yeah. for uh, what it was doing and then I, there's a postscript to this uh, hat trick of sixes uh, Uh, the next ball is uh, is an attempt by dhoni to slog sweep uh, another six uh, he misses it slightly and there's darren ganga who's the west indian fielder uh, seems to have caught it at uh, the mid wicket region very cleanly but things get interesting when uh, he uh, dhoni sees that perhaps uh, darren ganga has stepped on the boundary rope while completing the easy catch the replays are inconclusive i think the cameraman uh, has a headache after following uh, the ball <laughs> for all the sixes 
and he has uh, captured a pretty sorry angle and so there's lots and lots of confusion the commentators don't know what's happening the umpires don't know what's happening uh, darren ganga comes to talk to dhoni and dhoni is obviously not going to listen uh, to him he's waiting for the umpires to make a decision and then the west indian captain brian lara loses his cool he's seen yeah. uh, wagging his finger and taking the ball away from the umpires and then talking to dhoni and dhoni is calm dhoni knows by now that uh, india has pretty much done what it needs to do for the declaration the cameraman then pa- pans to the indian dressing room where there's uh, rahul dravid the indian captain and virender sehwag who are clueless and they're not able to sort of decide whether uh, you know the declaration should be done or not done and then i mean dravid perhaps trying to be the bigger man in the situation uh, you know just calls india in uh, yeah. he's ready to declare and by that time the commentators also inform us that uh, dhoni has taken the fielder's word and uh, yeah. dhoni has been registered in the scorebook as uh, as scott ganga bold mohammed for uh, for his 69 runs so, so the decision uh, so the decision was reversed because the fielder was ganga <laughs> <laughs> what is it with uh, dravid and controversial declarations i know i know but it's also typically west indian right like uh, yeah. they've always been known or at least back then were known to play the game in the right spirit and i'm sure you know so probably darren ganga did not actually step on the boundary line and i remember seeing those replays bleary eyed at 3 am that night you know and it was yeah. late in the night you're waiting for the declaration you know it's coming at some point are they going to put west indies in maybe get a couple of wickets before you can go to bed that's what you're waiting for and then this lengthy break in play uh, i remember it going on for a really long time and then eventually the declaration happening you asked yeah. me about what i was doing what were you doing chops when you were watching this i game? was i was uh, probably in the first year of my engineering yeah first year of my engineering and and very similar to you uh, needed some reason to um, you know stay up all night and and nothing better than cricket in the west indies because i mean the antigua ground was famous for you know the atmosphere it created and and uh, this one the wasim jafar innings was something that i really enjoyed yeah. india went on to do a very very admirable job of uh, pushing hard for the win uh, they fell just short sadly as uh, uh, the last day the tensest day of the test match uh, it's and uh, west indies being 298 for 9 Uh, yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember Srikanth bowling the last over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fiddle Edwards was the batsman, and yeah. he manages to keep it out. I think he had five balls to get uh, Fiddle out uh, in the last over, or something of that sort. Yeah. Or, or maybe I'm misremembering. I think it was more than uh, more than a couple of overs that uh, number eleven had to play out. But West Indies yeah. holding on. Um, yeah, and and they came close to uh, winning the second test as well, where uh, yeah. I think West Indies were eight down or maybe seven down. towards the close yeah. of play eventually india winning that series of course with a famous win in the fourth and final test but yes. frankly by then uh, i mean it was a win in the west indies but it wasn't a win against a great west indian side so yeah yeah, yeah. but this test uh, and this dhoni knock is something that uh, you know i remember fondly he had already shown his true colors by then multiple hundreds in the white ball scene but uh, some of the six hitting um, you know in this this test was um, absolutely mind boggling for just the sheer power he generated through the ball yeah indeed all right that was a great anecdote ms dhoni hitting a lot of sixes is something that continues to warm our cockles even now in the ipl in fact he's come close to hitting 
three on yes. the trot what uh, is he's, he generally hits two sixes in the last over uh, in every single game that he's coming out to play in what potentially seems to be his last ipl at least that's what all the crowd seem to be telling him because they're giving him a fond farewell and who knows dhoni might probably come back next year but yeah, uh, yeah lovely story there about dhoni and one of the protagonists in that story of course was rahul dravid who is very much the chief protagonist in in the story i'm going to say uh, okay. i'm going to take us from uh, what june 2006 all the way to august 2011 31st august 2011 what were you up to at that time in your life chops uh 2011 uh, must have been um, sometime during uh, during my stay in bombay my first uh, stint in bombay and must have been the college canteen uh, where uh, i watched <laughs> the match where uh, you're talking about yeah so august 2011 of course 2011 the year when the indian cricket fan made a fastian bargain they said <laughs> please give us the world cup we've been waiting for the world cup for so many years it's been you know more than two decades since we won the world cup nearly two decades no more than two decades since we won the world cup give us the world cup and we'll give you everything else so the cricketing gods gave the indian cricket fan the world cup and in return gave him eight consecutive overseas test match defeats ignominious defeats followed by a home series defeat against england as well in the next uh, 12 to 14 months a very forgettable time in indian cricket i remember exactly what i was doing i was working at espn cricket info in the thick of things covering cricket and i was in fact doing ball by ball commentary on this fine day on the 31st of august 2011 when india were playing a one off t20 match sandwiched between their 4-0 test drubbing against england and what was soon to become a drubbing in the one day series that followed as well uh, and though this was after uh, you know the ipl had been around for a few years and india were of course had won the initial world t20 and all of that despite all of that uh, the bcci had not sent a specialist t20 team to play this particular match so the one day team was basically a makeshift t20 team and they were going to play uh, england yeah. in this t20 game because it was a one off it was happening at uh, manchester i believe old trafford and india had uh, a couple of debutants one of them a young mumbai batsman uh, who is still in the news uh, not so young anymore but still smashing it in t20 cricket uh, that's ajinkya rahane the other batsman who made his debut for india that day was rahul dravid <laughs> out of the blue out of the blue years after he had last played a one day game for india uh, and after having you know famously elected not to play t20 cricket ahead of that initial 2007 world t20 uh, and having not played any limited overs cricket since 2009 suddenly dravid was back in the thick of things because india were really really struggling on that tour the only batsman who seemed to be getting bat on ball and scoring a lot of runs he scored three wonderful centuries in the test series defeat as well was rahul dravid and uh, he was asked to requested to stay back and play the limited overs leg which dravid of course as he always does uh, agree to do but he also then went on to say okay i'm announcing my limited overs retirement at the end of this series so please don't keep calling me for uh, for limited overs cricket uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah it was a it was a very strange time in indian cricket and uh, but as it transpired the two debutants rahane and dravid ended up putting the best partnership for india in that match Uh, with Dravid coming out to bat uh, after Parthiv Patel had opened the innings along with Rahane and mm-hmm. fallen by the wayside. So, really strange match, as we were saying. So, Dravid walks out. Uh, he's doing his best to try and, you know, get with the thick of things. The elbow is still high. He's doing his best to try and <laughs> play those big shots. Early in his innings, there's this attempt to swipe Stuart Broad through mid-wicket uh, where he, you know, misses the ball and it goes through to the keeper. 
Uh, and he keeps trying. He later steps out of the crease, tries to hit Graham Swan over the offside, inside out, misses the ball, and the wicketkeeper misses the ball as well. So he escaped. <laughs> he escapes from being stumped. That innings is going nowhere. And then suddenly there is this big, burly, portly bowler uh, called Samit Patel who comes on to bowl some left-arm spin. And suddenly Dravid has smelt blood. And he starts going after him. And he pulls off three magnificent sixes, which uh, literally came out of nowhere. Very, very famous shots. Uh, uh, I think the first one was a swipe over mid-wicket. Uh, you know, a typical slog, you could say. The ball was pitching on leg stump. He just cleared his leg and went whack. The second one was the more decent, the most decent of the three shots. I think he went <laughs> over wide, log gone. Uh, look, looked like a Dravid shot. The third one was once again a swipe, right? And as I was saying, I was doing ball-by-ball -ball commentary during this uh, match, during this partnership. And this is what I had to write on cricket for that day when uh, Dravid hit the third of his sixes. So, Dravid's hit three consecutive sixes. I'm pinching myself hard. Ouch! I'm not dreaming. Bosh! Another flat nothing ball from Russell Peters. And he sure <laughs> is getting and he sure is getting hurt a real bad here. Slock swept into the crowd behind deep mid-wicket again. So, yeah, Samit Patel, uh, as some of you might remember, resembles Russell Peters quite a bit. So, also uh, carries a few extra pounds as well around. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that that was uh, yeah one of the most unusual things uh, Rahul Dravid has done in his career. Uh, hitting three consecutive sixes. I think he scores 31 of 21 balls. And that really, that innings is the expanse of his entire T20 career. He makes his debut... Scratches around for a while, slowly gets the experience of being an international cricketer in this format, picks up the tricks of the trade, finishes off with a bang, three big sixes, and then gets out. I think uh, <laughs> he drives Ravi Bopara into the covers and walks off uh, after having played that uh, wonderful little cameo. India going to lose the game. Uh, Suresh Raina scores <laughs> some runs lower down. The rest of the batting is a shambles. Uh, in fact, India get bowled out uh, in the 20th over. And I remember writing in ball by ball commentary again, India are bowled out in T20 as well because they had been losing <laughs> 10 wickets every single time they were coming out to bat. They went on to lose yeah. the game too. Uh, but it was a fine start and a finish to Dravid's career and a fine start to Rahani's career because he got a fine half century as well. Nice. Lovely. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching this match and... Uh... Uh, it wasn't as if uh, Dravid, uh, you know, was was averse to cross-batted shots. He had done that multiple times in his ODI career. Went on to have a very successful ODI career after, uh, you know, having been written off in Singapore in 1996 uh, from that format. But yeah, I mean, the the T20 uh, one-off match was was just uh, nothing, nothing match and a nothing debut and a nothing finish. But Dravid being Dravid. Uh, decided to make it memorable and Samit Patel duly obliged. There was one question that, uh, or rather there was this interesting quote that Dravid gave about his T20 international career. You never get a chance to choose how you make your debut and you never get a chance to choose how you will finish. That's life. Typical Rahul Dravid. <laughs> All right, that then sets us off to July of 1990. This is the first test of uh, a test series between England and India. And this test happened at Lord's. Uh, England bat first after uh, India wins the toss, which proved to be a terrible decision. And the only thing to say about day one is that it ends with England on a humongous 359 for two. From there, they go on to make 653 for four. Yes, you heard that right. Uh, and they declared at that with uh, skipper Graham Gooch scoring a brilliant triple Nelson century, 3-3-3. Three, three, three. 
and uh, the indian wicketkeeper kiran more is left to do a catch uh, of gooch that he dropped in the first session of the test in response india uh, somehow doesn't get bogged down by the youth score ravi shastri scores an even 100 as the opener skipper azhar dazzles the scene with 121 of just 111 balls even so india are struggling to avoid the follow on more so after they lose their 8th and 9th wicket at 430 a full 223 runs lesser than the english first inning score nitin what were you doing in july 1990 <laughs> which class were you in <laughs> i must have been in uh, ukg i believe upper kindergarten <laughs> yeah i don't uh, i wasn't watching this game it's of course uh, you know uh, an event that we have read about and watched many times later we watched the replays later but yeah i was not watching cricket <laughs> when india were playing uh, england at lords i do remember reading later though that uh, india probably lost that test match not when kiran more dropped graham gooch but much earlier when azruddin decided to send yeah. uh, england into bat with a bowling attack that read kapil dev of course uh, very good followed by manoj prabhakar and sanjeev sharma this was the yeah. indian fast bowling attack with which he decided to insert england in nobody knows why <laughs> and and bishan singh bedi was the indian uh, team manager at that time they didn't have coaches back in the day and he promptly uh, distanced himself from uh, the decision <laughs> so yes back to lords where uh, uh, kapil dev is out there and he has for company number 11 uh, narendra hirwani the indian bespectacled uh, leg spinner and he was at zero of one ball now narendra hirwani someone who would be at number 11 in a team of number 11s and kapil uh, decides to take note of this takes matters into his own hands and the bowler to suffer from the six streak is uh, off spinner eddie hemmings uh, so this uh, is the start of a new over the first two balls are defended calmly but it's really the calm before the storm the next two are full and sort of flighted uh, kapil is up to the challenge dances down the track and deposits them beyond the boundary for uh, for sixes pretty much over the bowler's head uh, the first one you can say straight long on the second one is wide long on and on the commentary is richie benu uh, he of uh, 100% minimalism and he lets the cheers of the crowd take over and then just yeah. says a few very specific words yeah. and accompanying him in commentary is kapil's friend as well as for uh, at times sunil gavaskar who is already spellbound he's only able to voice out adjectives Uh, and not even full sentences and the third six is the best of the lot um, as per uh, richie beno it goes past the man at long on like a doodle bug that's what he says <laughs> in commentary it's a yeah. flat flat six um, and kapil didn't even have to get down the track this time he's just hitting it uh, from the crease and it's mm. creamed for six that's the first time i heard the word doodlebug and i had to go yeah. and check in the dictionary what it actually means it means uh, something like a low flying cruise missile or something yeah. yeah which which is a very good description for the shot that kapil hit and when yeah. kapil hits those sixes they are proper golf swings right like he later yeah. went on to play a lot of golf after his cricketing yeah. career ended but the signs were already there yeah interesting you mentioned golf i have a golf anecdote at the end of this which i'm going to get into the fourth one is uh, is finally a cross batted shot Uh, all three of them were proper straight batted sixes but the fourth one is a cross batted batted shot it's more flighted just short of being full and kapil has to take a deliberate longer stride down the ground he plants his foot down and then hoiks it over uh, the leg side 
turns around to the dressing room balcony where everyone is standing and clapping and admiring the courage which is just on the right side uh, you know of the line separating courage and foolhardiness mm-hmm. uh, kapil then pumps his raised fist uh, to the dressing room and he finally sports a little smile he knows the follow on has been avoided and india is now 199 behind england's first inning score and gavaskar uh, on commentary has now time to do full sentences and he says twice only kapil dev could have done it and that yeah. itself uh, you know is worth listening um, for the four sixes and not forgetting his role in the drama uh, hirwani is back on strike in the next over promptly <laughs> plays all around a straight ball uh, plumb lbw and that's where india's uh, innings ends yeah. and there's there's a bit of postscript to this one also hemmings is interviewed about uh, this uh, particular match and this spell and other stuff from his career later and he says a bit uncharitably perhaps that two of them were good hits and two were slogs and uh, mm-hmm. the fact uh, that he quotes is that the boundary at lords was a bit shorter because they were rebuilding that part of the ground uh, you know outside the boundary completely and he also goes on to say something very interesting probably uh, foreseeing cricket uh, that had to happen uh, many years in the future he says that india avoiding the follow on was good because that's the only way england could have won the test uh, if if uh, england would have uh, you know imposed the follow on india would have very well saved the tas- uh, test or even you know given uh, england a chance uh, uh, oh. for uh, you know batting again and then losing it So yeah I mean uh, pretty amazing uh, stuff from the bowler uh, also looking back on this career he does have his revenge though uh, he uh, bowls to Kapil Dev again in the second innings uh, when India teetering off to a loss and uh, Kapil tries the six hitting again but this time uh, he's caught in the deep for just seven runs mm-hmm. and this is also the test where uh, Sachin's marvelous running catch at long on happens yeah. uh, to dismiss yeah. uh, Alan Lamb so the, now the golf anecdote Prem Panikkar the uh, noted redif uh, columnist and uh, very very fine cricket writer he is interviewing kapil dev many many years after uh, you know this incident has happened and there's no reference to this incident uh, and i remember it just because i also got reminded of you know kapil's golf when watching this uh, again uh, in preparation for our podcast and uh, it's been a long interview on redif it goes on for like 3 or 4 pages and uh, at the end prem asks uh, uh, kapil uh, one last question and kapil by now is is a little frustrated and so he says <laughs> what and so prem says how is your golf coming along and uh, you know kapil uh, sees that the mood of the room has changed he's like it's coming off very well and my driving is brilliant um, and then uh, prem asks him uh, yeah we hear your uh, driving is as good as tiger woods and then Ooh. kapil never Um, you know to not have the last word he says yeah you ask tiger woods if his bowling is as good as <laughs> wow <laughs> i guess if i said kapil dev saying that it is words you ask tiger woods about his bowling <laughs> yeah so yes that Amazing. that was uh, you know a, a brilliant six hitting streak four sixes on the trot kapil was the first one to do that but not too much avail as india ended up losing the test these four hits a uh, couple of four hits are etched in our memory forever as indeed are so many sixes from the past events to yuvraj know, singh six sixes for instance i can't remember a single shot that tim david played less than 24 hours back 
in the <laughs> Mumbai Indians Rajasthan Royals game because indeed the sixes have become so common and the grounds have become smaller and we really don't remember much anymore yeah yeah it's it's amazing how we remember things from the past so much more than uh, something that we watched just yesterday but i mean that's the nature of sameness i guess uh, and there's more of sameness every single day in the ipl absolutely to be 20 and be awake at 3 am watching ms dhoni hit dev mohammed for sixes <laughs> <laughs> and and an interesting thing about the three matches that we spoke of uh, 2006 and 2011 and going back all the way to 1990 india won none of them and yet these oh, yeah. uh, these six hitting feats are uh, are so imprinted in our minds <laughs> yes indeed at the end of the day success and success don't always need to go together All right, that's been us on the Heads and Tails podcast. A wonderful journey into the past looking at hat-tricks of sixes. We'll be back in a week's time doing this one more time and hopefully we'll have equally fun stories to share next time as well. In the meantime, uh, do let your friends know about this podcast. Ask them to leave a rating for us. Please leave a rating for us yourself uh, so that that helps us get discovered by more people. Uh, until next week, it's bye-bye from Nitin and Abhishek. Bye. Bye-bye. You were listening to Heads and Tails hosted by Abhishek Chopra and Nitin Sundar produced by Audiomatic producers for Audiomatic Rajesh Tahil and Avdoot Khanolkar assistant producer Priya Kash